you know, I feel like you get what I'm trying to do here. Yes. You understood. You get I mean, you welcomed. I feel embraced. And it's like, it's like, uh, you know, we are essentially as, as an artist, you're just trying to either convey a message or you're trying to convey an emotion, trying to share something. Welcome to Improv Interviews with Margot Escott, a psychotherapist in Naples, Florida, who is using her 35 years of experience to develop improvisation programs, benefiting and improving the lives of those with emotional and physical challenges. Improv Interviews brings together the world's leading improvisational theatre masters, founders and innovators who are using improvisation therapeutically in unique and surprising ways. With great guests that include legends like Ed Asner and Aretha Sills, you're sure to learn something new about improvisation. This is Improv Interviews with your host, Margot Escott. Welcome, everybody. And today's guest is a beautiful, lively woman in San Francisco, and it's Mithra Vankipuram. Hello. Hi. Hey. And I met you by one of Jay Suko's 10 Minutes with a Friend, and I thought, oh, this is somebody I'd like to talk to as well. So how's the weather there today? The weather is exceptionally sunny, and it's very bright which is why I moved the computer yes. to where the lighting was a bit more even. Um, but, you know, looking at the light right now, I'm getting a sense of sharpness, heat, and it's almost looking like it's going to attack me. <laughs> so, uh, I think until I've had like a gallon of water, I'm going to stay indoors. <laughs> That's beautiful. You were saying things like, I was thinking clarity and awareness, but you then you said it was going to attack you. So yeah. 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 Well, we're, we're in Florida, I'm in Florida and it's an incredibly gloomy day today, but um, I was just with my group. I teach people with Parkinson's and we did five things that make us happy that it's a gloomy day. We can stay in, we can binge TV, we can eat snacks all day. <laughs> I'm going to borrow that list. <laughs> okay, absolutely. So let's start at the beginning, a, a very good place to start. Let me understand a little bit more about your improv career, how you got started, when you got interested, were you in acting first? So we'll just start, you know, wherever you want to start. Maybe you're three years old and you've discovered dancing, wherever it is. Okay, Mithra? Sure. Um, it's very interesting, but I see myself as an artist more than... Um, then like a, just artist is a broad category, but uh, how it started off was with painting and with oils and with sketch work. And essentially a lot of my introduction to art and performing was through that. But I have one awesome memory. It was 10th grade, all right? And every year in school, there's a, on a particular day, I believe it's in September, I forgot the day, but we have something called as Teachers uh, Day, a day to honor teachers. So uh, different, the students get together and this is completely voluntary and they put together fun little pieces like musical numbers and, uh, you know, like uh, dances. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I had with my friends, written a political comedy, which I didn't realize at that time was a sketch. We called it Skits. Like uh -huh. that, you know, yeah. Skits yeah. in India. Yeah. 
and um, essentially uh, we we showed it to a teacher to say hey maybe we should do this in our school assembly which is a very serious event let's do political satire make fun of lallu prasad yadav you know we came up with catch lines like um, um what was the catch line something about lallu prasad yadav and samosas you know he's always obsessed with food more uh-huh. than politics because he was a fat politician very <laughs> highbrow comedy <laughs> so the teacher saw it and she was like go perform it on stage and i still wow. remember it was as if i was uh, amita bachchan from kon banega karorpati which is the indian equivalent of who wants to be a millionaire right 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 yeah and uh, i would invite my guests and my guests were all uh, all the local politicians right 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 and, right and and so it was so much of fun everybody <laughs> laughed things didn't go okay but but people were laughing anyway um so if you ask me what was my first uh, intro to comedy it would have to be at at 16 writing a political sketch without ever having seen the daily show because it's not like we saw any of that right 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 in india wow in in like the 90s wow that is so incredible that reminds me of my high school years doing things like that but um you know when you get that laughter it it kind of ignites you doesn't it it gets that spirit in you over yeah this feels good and i did it so yeah. for me it's kind of um, it had a very different feeling when people kind of laugh when people audience laugh you know i feel like you get what i'm trying to do here you understood you get you welcomed i feel embraced and it's like it's like uh, you know we are essentially as as an artist you're just trying to either convey a message or you're trying to convey an emotion trying to share something with the audience so with a skit where i wrote it to make you laugh exactly. you don't laugh that means you didn't get what i wrote Right, right. Well, and there's, you know, people that study sketch writing for years, but I think teenagers can come up with really great stuff, really. And uh without that worry and that fear, you know, they're just writing it and laughing themselves. So, isn't that beautiful? So then did you um we you were uh, a painter first? Had you started painting as a younger child or in high school or I just started sketching a little bit, just copying some images and then uh my father was the one who noticed that um I was copying images really well. Wow. So he said how about this image and he would just give me harder images to copy. And I just kept co- I I just kept copying and learning that way. Um but it took me years, you know, to discover my own style. And I and I felt like with improv too, I had a very similar uh journey which was, you know, in 2000 i believe it was 2013 that i signed up for my first improv class so started going to jams and stuff like that and, and where was that that was in uh, mountain view uh i joined a local community group in the mountain view community center that was led by a gentleman called uh, tom and uh, just out of free out of co- uh, you know if it just because he liked it and it was just a bunch of us meeting up at a community center and just playing some little games and a little bit of intro to long form improv 
it wasn't a, until a year after that that I was like, okay, we can probably take some classes in improv. Uh, and when I chose to do that, I chose N Games at uh, San Francisco uh, and uh, went through all of the levels in N Games and uh, amazing little, uh, uh, you know, not little, big. <laughs> company in San Francisco and they have like two stages now and and they're still you know hanging in there which I'm super grateful for I'm sorry uh, I missed I missed the name of the theater what was the theater uh Endgames Improv okay. and okay. the theater their primary location is in Stageworks okay so when did you move to the U.S. I missed that part of it oh I moved to the U.S. in 2006 you didn't miss it Margot, you didn't tell me. <laughs> there was no mistake there. <laughs> and, and, and what brought you to this country? A school, the same old boring thing, which is, you know, computer science, higher education, the pursuit of the dollars. And yeah, the, yeah, the pursuit of the dollars. Web. I love it. And yeah. then let's, let's be honest. Like, it's not like... Uh, you know, I'm right now trying to find my calling, right? It's not like I was thinking back then, big calling. I was like, it's just what people do. You leave college, get an undergraduate, go to the United States, do your master's and hopefully find a job there. And, and, and So where did you get your master's in? I got my master's in computer science. And then I stayed on in Arizona State University, Go Sun Devils. Okay. For <laughs> my PhD. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have a PhD in biomedical informatics. Wow, wow. And have you used it much? Do you work in that field? Um, I uh, worked at HP on a number of, uh, for Hewlett Packard for a number of different projects. And right now I'm working for UCSF, University of California, San Francisco on healthcare innovation. So I'm working on Lovely. a research fellowship, yeah. To help patients with multiple sclerosis, uh, you know, the, the problem I'm essentially working on is how might we enable patients who are who are tracking, uh, you know, their lifestyle modification and information about sleep at home to manage their chronic illnesses? How do we actually get this data into the clinic during their visit so that the doctor can make sense of it wow, in a very short time? So are you teaching them improv? Uh, teaching an improv? No, because I'm not quite... My journey in improv is a little bit topsy-turvy. Oh, good. Know? I love topsy-turvy. It's yes. not all traditional. It's I, I went through the levels, and then there was a lot of pressure to join some teams. I did all of that, and it wasn't quite clicking for me. Then I found musical improv. <gasps> yes! Yes, 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 yes. And it, it was wonderful. And it was amazing. And it, it had this hive mind because musical improv doesn't work without hive mind. And I did that for about a year. And then I again. And were you singing? Were you singing in San Francisco or were you still in Arizona? San Francisco? Where San Francisco. All of my improv journey was in San Francisco. So I, I came to the United States in 2006. I studied in Arizona until 2012. At the maximum, my hobby was rock climbing, but I didn't get much time to do much else. <laughs> then I moved out to California for a job with Hewlett Packard as a research scientist in 2012. And I started doing improv in 2013. 
Wow. And so the, the team thing wasn't for you. You, were, you weren't exactly like. Big no, old. it wasn't that. I just hadn't discovered my place in improv. Right, 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 right. You know, it was a musical improv got me there because the thing what I like about musical improv is you're not just saying fun stuff, right? You're emoting. Right, you're right. Your body. Yes. Shapes. There's, there's yes. so much. So what musical improv did was it introduced me to the joy of activating not just my brains, but also my whole body and my whole ecosystem. Yes. You know, in the act of improvisation. But then when that happened, I just wanted to do that more. Yeah. And that's good. Were you studying with a specific company or who were you uh, doing classes with at that time? So at this time, I had graduated all of Endgame's improv classes. Uh Uh-huh. And the musical improv scene was very new in San Francisco. So literally we had, uh, I believe, Susanna, and I'm missing her last name, who was a local San Francisco improviser who had moved to New York. She came down and she taught a workshop for a bunch of us, you know, over two, over a weekend on musical improv. And a bunch of us who did the workshop loved it so much. We were like, okay, can we find anybody here that can locally coach us? And we did. And, uh, you know, she kind of, um, uh, we just had a local coach. They just ran ran us through exercises. And her name, amazing Angela Perez, amazing lady. She's right now in Chicago. And uh, she kind of really did like a coaching slash direction of, of our team and we became flash mob musical out of wow, that. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's just a wonderful group of people, Dustin and Olivia and Deborah, so many wonderful people. And, 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 and so that's how that got started. And then once flash mob musical became a thing, we had a, a once in two weeks show on Fridays at seven o'clock, which is a great slot for musical improv, uh, you know, just before the Friday night lineup. And, uh, you know, where that kind of evolved was, I got a sense that I needed to evolve in a slightly different way, which is why I kind of broke. I started doing mask work. There was another teacher called Dominic Salerno. And she was a local San Francisco person had moved to New York. So when she came down, she did, uh, you know, uh, more of the the acting, bringing yes. in yes. acting practices yes. to improvisers. So that that opened me up physically and emotionally a little bit more. But the turning point for me was a turning point. I haven't had many turning points. Yes, you certainly have. Yeah, was uh, I was uh, producing and helping out with. Uh, Jill Eichmann's uh, festival, wow, uh, festival yeah. improviser fest a few years ago. I again forgot the name of these th- this duo, but it was two ladies who kind of do a dance or a movement to start with. And then they do a regular improv scene that is inspired by the movement. Wow. So I do a workshop with these ladies and they were you know, uh, you know, it was very body focused. Yes, yes. And um, 
So I asked one of them, I want to learn this more. I want to do this more. How do I do it? And one of the ladies pointed me to Action Theater, which is a improvisation style that was created by dancers. Yes, yes. I mean, by, I by Ruth Sephora. Yeah. Uh-huh. Ruth Sephora teaches it. So the next year, I went out to Santa Fe for a week to basically practice with Ruth. And she has a little hut. It says yurt. And I have to explain to you, Margot, <laughs> this was what I saw on my first day at nine o'clock in the morning, entering this, this yurt, right? I'm walking in and I hear sounds. These sounds go like, and I'm walking into this. <laughs> okay. And there are people sprawled on the floor, just like, you know, warming up their body, you know, yeah. any which way, you know. And I'm walking into this. Looking around, uh huh. Thinking in my head, what have I gotten myself? <laughs> I chose to suspend disbelief that that weekend and just immerse myself in whatever this is. And yes, and, yes. and uh, what essentially happened was just in that one week, doing the work with Ruth. She one of the biggest things she teaches is awareness of every small muscle becoming aware of what's going on with your face, especially the eyes, because that's where the improvisation lives is even when you're in pause, if the eyes are active, the improv is still alive. But if the eyes are dead, there's nobody here. Right. So she made me very aware of the eyes and what she kept giving me the note is you're performing, bring them inwards. It's too outwards. And what I realized was that that week was that I was performing to the audience. Right, 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 right. (laughs) Do you like it? Do you like it? Do you like it? Do you like me? Oh, I want you to like me. So that was that was a lot of what was going on. And what she was encouraging was, you don't want to ignore the audience. They're, they're part of the environment that, that shapes, you know, the elements you have to work with, with the improv, but you're not performing for them, right? You, you, my job when I'm in the act of improv is just to be in the flow of improv just being receptive to information around, but really just like opening up my body to and mind to possibilities, to all possibilities. Yes. Brilliant. Brilliant. I, I start, I, I did a lot of dance in my early days and I was going to be a dance therapist originally. So, I mean, this is intriguing me. I love this. And I love the way you're moving. People can't see it on the podcast. I might have to put, 
this on, on video, the way you're moving and dancing as we're speaking, it's so beautiful. And, and movement is life. Um, that is, I just, I'm, I'm loving this story. I want to go to New Mexico and go into a yurt. <laughs> yeah, she's actually poor Ruth, you know. She's so desperate to have people over. Nobody wants to fly because we're all in the pandemic. Right, right. But, you know, she even does like a long, uh, month long in Estonia. I'll never get the time to do that. But she's a, and plus when you see an 84-year-old still like. Yes, yes. Okay, I did not say that. Please edit that. Oh, Ruth is a young and I have no idea. I just, <laughs> sorry, Ruth. <laughs> no worries. I yeah, mean, so- but anyway, the, the, the more important thing was, that was one concept that blew my mind. Yes. The concept yeah. that blew my mind was, and this was different from what we get trained in comedic improv, is she's like, don't label things. When you label things, it limits the possibilities of what it can be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in comedic improv, we're like, you look happy. You look sad. There's a lot of push to label things to keep the laughter going. Mm -hmm. This was a very opposite way where you're like, the laughter was going to take care of itself. Have you ever done that exercise where you go around the room and you you look at things, but you give them a different name? Um, I did that in a clowning in a clowning, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a clowning uh, class. I actually forgot about all of the extra training I did, including clowning. I think there's another lady locally here who uh, who teaches clowning. Main thing about clowning is observe. You know, let right. it affect you, and you respond. And the response can be anything. It can be a label, but it can also be looking at the sun and saying you're attacking me. Right, 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 right. Beautiful. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. So we're kind of going back and forth and back and forth. And um, have you been, so you've been doing improv, but you've been doing your own path of improv with the movement and the music. Although music is my favorite kind of improv. I love music improv. And when we do scenes in the group I'm in, um, when they were getting ready to close the scene, I always burst into song. I, I just... I just love it so much. So it's, it's just the most freeing thing. What I loved most about musical improv is that it honors the emotions, right? Uh, when we can't contain our emotions anymore, when we speak, and even when words are not enough, we sing. Right. So um, I want to ask you about uh, when you were a little girl, um, did you learn a lot of traditional dance growing up? Oh, my God. <laughs> Yes, yes. disastrous experiences. <laughs> what happened? Uh, in India, um, you know, we, we have Bharatnatyam is our classical dance form. And uh, every girl, child is enrolled into a Bharatnatyam class when they are roughly about seven to expose them. And I think I enjoyed it so much. I was asleep while, the, while I was dancing. No. no, I don't even know how I managed that. That's so cool. I love it. Sleeping and dancing at the same time. But yeah, I think I did. I, but to be quite honest, I don't think it's because I didn't like dancing. It's because, you know, I think enrolling, it, 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 there was too much structure imposed very early. Bharatnatyam is not like freeform dance or movement. It, it's kind of, it's like a language. 
there are specific face positions. Right, right. Okay, they're they're called like nine emotions. There are specific hand movements, you know, and um, like uh, you hold your, uh, you know, like you hold your hand in a certain shape. So it was almost like um, it was like learning a language, but with your body, but there was a specific vocabulary to it. So a lot of the dance teacher teacher would actually come with a notebook and she'd be drawing out the shapes of the body and literally teaching it like a language. So it wasn't like I was dancing. Right. It wasn't free dancing. It wasn't improv dancing. It was. No, it was very much, very structured. And I think like to expose a seven-year-old to that much of structure so early, the outcomes would not have been good. So I had the balls to, in a year, year's time when I was falling asleep through the classes, just go to my parents and say, can I just go play tennis now? (laughs) (laughs) So they just said, fine, go to tennis classes. So outside of studying, um, what do you like to do for fun? What's fun for you? I mean, Um, improv is fun and all that, but outside of the improv. Outside of the improv, so so for me, um, uh, I've just been writing poetry recently, getting back to that. Um, and, you know, I've been gardening. So that was one of my big accomplishments. Wow. wow. Are you in the city? You have a garden? Oh, that's a, your garden. Yes. Your, I, I'm a, for those in the podcast, my garden, I just pointed the camera to a shelf above a fireplace with... Yes. Clearly thriving, you know. Yes, it's beautiful. And is that one of your paintings above the fireplace too? No, that's a copy of a Banksy. Of a what? A Banksy. Banksy is a famous artist who just uh, nobody knows what they look like. And the artist just, um, you know, um, graffiti is uh, they are a graffiti artist. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. So that's a, that's a copy of, of one of their works and shows a man throwing a bouquet of flowers instead oh. of grenade. Yeah, yeah. You know, and living in San Francisco, there's so much culturally going on there. I mean, I know you've been in shutdown as we all have, but there's so many things, the museums, the music theater. I mean, just a wealth of things. Um, have you ever regretted coming here? Every day, actually, recently. Um I mean, not that seems like that's a little bit too harsh of a statement. So I, let me pull that back a little bit. I think uh, lately with the pandemic, it's really a big question is, and I think I'm not, I'm not in the minority. I'm in the majority, but feel a pull and a draw to be closer to family. Um, mainly because my priorities have shifted. Previously, work was my number one priority. And if I've learned anything this past one and a half years, my mental health and my health is my number one priority. Yeah. Second is my family. Third is, you know, work and everything else. So, uh, you know, I, I've not had any regrets about coming here, but the past few years, Marco, with, with, with Trump and kind of like just seeing... Uh, uh. The, just seeing for my own naked eyes what, what is possible in America and experiencing uh, 
police brutality last year. And even worse, knowing it's again happening this year with, with Dante Wright, it's 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 kind of like uh, you know, regretting coming here, it's like I'm in a bubble, right? But you know, it's I, the, the question I found myself asking last year is where am I supposed to go? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that that makes me feel safe. It's not like India made me feel safe. Do you know what it's like being a woman in India? Not safe. No, 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 not safe. So, you know, it's kind of like it, it feels it's a very nomadic existence. And, uh, you know, at this past year, I'm just becoming comfortable with putting internal roots. <laughs> you know, it's like I had to make peace with the fact that I don't have a place to put roots. Right, right. And that's okay because let's reinvest internally and just recognize that this is enough. I am enough. You are enough. That sounds like Jimmy Corain out of Chicago. You are enough. Yeah, that is exactly the line that in my level two of uh, improv, Marcus Sams was teaching that class. And he just came up to me and he was like, it was some scene. I was in the scene and somebody else was in the scene. Marcus was not getting it out of me, whatever it is that he wanted. And he came up to me and he he looked me straight in the eye and his face was this close. And he pulled me. He was like, Mithra, I need you to say this. You are enough. Can you say I am enough? Can you say it? And I started crying. I bet. Just, I just, I just said I can't. Wow. Because I don't believe it. Let me just say that there is nothing more awkward than a person crying at a level two. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually quite like looking back. I'm having so much fun looking, uh, observing the memory of everyone else in the class <laughs> because everyone looked like this. Yeah, right, right. Ah, right. And awkward. And it's like, this is supposed to be fun and comedic, entertaining, but also like it was not, it, improv is an act of vulnerability. And Marcus was trying to like, expose that right we need to be okay with being us so authentic that you know just so empty like a vessel believing that you have everything you need you don't need to be more than yourself your partners don't have to be more themselves everyone is good you need to honestly believe that to do good improv was that like an aha moment for you? Did that, did that bring about any change in you when we went through that with Marcus? No, I no? actually, I, I don't even think I've told Marcus this, but I got scared of learning oh. from Marcus because, um, you know, it's kind of like it, it, there was nothing to actually be scared about, but I just couldn't go there. It took me about seven years after that. To actually accept like last year that I am enough. So I did write a note to Marcus saying, 
in yes. like six or seven years. But homie, I got there up top. Yeah. Well, maybe he'll listen to this. He's a wonder. I just adore him so much. I mean, he'd yes. be come and study in San Francisco as well. So, um, oh, I just love your energy. This should have been a Facebook live event instead of a, you know, podcast. Yeah. Um, I want to move. I want to dance, all kinds of stuff. So what are you doing today? Like besides being here, I mean, like this week, what, what kind of things are you doing? Oh, and I also wanted to ask if you're involved in any of the um, Indian improv groups that have just been blossoming up like Bangalore and other groups. All great questions. Um, I've just started getting into a art project with a couple of the artists I met uh, through Action Theater. They are movement dancing performers. So it's a project where, you know, the artists are trying to get inspired by nature to, to, to create a choreographed piece. So I'm pretty excited about that because I'm I'm thinking about how can we make this experience more accessible to people because even the site is not accessible. So I'm coming in thinking, can we do 3D, you know, filmography or put it in VR and things like that. So really embracing uh, both my technologist side, but also my artist side and trying to bring those two together. Uh, so that's a little bit of what I'm doing uh, in general with my life right now. But uh, today is, I don't know, I'm not looking forward to today very much. This was the podcast I was really looking forward to. But I have some, you know, work stuff to deal with, and you know, things to deal with. So right after this call, I'll be back to being research scientist, Mitra Vankipura. <laughs> I like that movement research scientist, but nobody's seeing our movements. That's great. Um, but uh, what I want to ask oh, you. Oh, smiling is, as a research scientist. You have to be very serious. Yes, very, very serious. Only very serious. Only talk about data, 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 data. Yeah. Data. Yeah. No, no feelings. Best not to have any feelings. We're having a conference talking about Mapalya. Yeah. Data, data, yeah. 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 <laughs> So, um, are you doing any improv these days? Um, no, and that's mainly because I've, I've not really had a good time doing improv online. Okay. I even had a hard time um, keeping up with uh, Roots weekly action theater classes because it's not the same. Like, first of all, I can't move or show my body. I have to come up with new ways of, of doing that. And second of all, like performing to a camera, it's taking me back to that time when I was performing for an audience. And, you know, it's just my interest doesn't lie there anymore. It just feels like I'm, I'm you know, a monkey. Monkey down. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, uh, you know, and and uh, personally for me, um, I also found that I have lost my ability to move. As I uh, work with these artists, I've completely forgotten how to use my lower half of the body. And uh-huh. uh, yeah, and so even when Ruth's classes and stuff like that, she's giving the prompts to to activate all parts of your body, but I just feel very constrained artistically performing 
I understand. I understand. Although it is like being on TV kind of, and that's what Marcus has been doing. It's looked like, you know, an old time sitcom or something like that, or a film, but I totally understand that you are a beautiful artist. I am inspired. I'm going to get my watercolors out today after our talk. I think. Yeah. I'm just wonderful. So beautiful. Yeah. Boy, when I get to travel again, I'm going to come visit you in San Francisco, whether you want me or not. I have to teach you uh, improvised uh, art that I uh, art, which is uh, I have. um, I usually take a pencil, and I just start anywhere scribbling. You know, just let the hand scribble away, and then later you just start adding flourishes. However, your brain goes, it will go in some way, and then I don't know how, but it always looks nice at the end. I'm sure it does. I love it. I love it. Yeah. It's wonderful. So um, as we start to end up right now, I, I'm really going to have to talk to you again. We're going to have to do a Facebook talk live yes, because that will be much, much more effective. But, you know, I, I don't really have my face on today. I have, I have somebody else's face on. I don't know whose it is, but it's, you It's Margot Escott, and we love all her faces. <laughs> Thank you. That's right. I am enough. <sighs> It is a hard thing to accept. So um, we're going to sign off pretty soon. But do you have anything that you'd like to share with the universe? Because everybody in the universe is listening to my podcast, of course. Oh, yes. Um, You know, I just, the only thing, let me just one second, sink in, feel it in my heart, listen to the message of the universe. Be well. Thank you, Mithra. Back at you, girl. (laughs) Sending everyone positive vibes. This is not, uh, we are living in extraordinary times. And it's a hard thing to remember, but just surviving in extraordinary times makes each and every one of us extraordinary. That's beautiful. And we'll close with that. Goodbye, my new friend. Um, but we'll play again. We'll talk again. I'm just so excited that you were able to join us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Margo. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and look forward to you joining us next time on Improv Interviews with Margot Escott.